Hello there and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. I'm glad that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast to listen to it. We know that you're very busy at this time of year, especially with the holidays and whatnot coming around, that you have downloaded this podcast and want to listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that you would be edified, Christ would be glorified, and that you would please uh, click that like button and that follow button. So when you get an alert you will know what we have released our weekly podcast please tell your friends and family about us and hopefully they also can learn more about God as well and the the word that we call the Bible today we're going to talk about why is the cross a stumbling block and if you want to follow along I would encourage you to do so and you can open your Bibles and uh, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 21 actually you want to mark that I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 first. So Deuteronomy chapter 21, uh, mark that and then go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you do not have a Bible and you have access to the internet, you can go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lower case. And there if you will click on the uh, daily scripture, it will take you to a webpage and you can actually uh, read the Bible there. You can actually listen to it. I believe it's also an audio Bible there. And it's in many different languages and versions. I know some people are really picky or touchy about what version they use. And so they're all there. And uh, I would encourage you to do that. While you're at our webpage, uh, please go to our prayer request uh, page and pray for those who have emailed in asking us and our listeners to please pray and do that. We need to be in prayer for each other each and every day. So 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 verse 22 and 23 says, For indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. You know, understanding the cross is really vital for us to understand Christ. Understanding Christ is really vital to following Him. Following Him is vital to the life of a Christian. Basically, if, if you truly want to be a Christian, you have to understand the cross of Christ. You know, we have a limited view of the cross. Our 21st uh, century thinking really doesn't give us an adequate understanding of such an important thing. We, we Sometimes we read the Bible as though it was yesterday's sports page, and we really shouldn't be doing that. And, you know, if you start to study the Bible, I'd encourage you to, to find out some Roman history, some Jewish history, that's going on in this time uh, and age where Christ is being crucified. It will kind of help you understand uh, some of the politics that are going on, uh, the atmosphere and the way the people thought, and, and it just I think it just helps. Again, we don't have a complete adequate understanding of such this important thing as the crucifixion of Christ. We have to look at, at the Roman perspective of the cross and, and see the shame 
and the reasons for the use of crucifixion. To Romans, crucifixion was a means for breaking the will of a political, rebellious group. To the Jews, however, the cross was really seen in a different light. And Rome, I don't believe, uh, really understood that up front. They had conquered much of the known world, including Judea at this time. And, and so Rome used crucifixion as a way of maintaining social order within the empire. Despite their military use of crucifixion, it was widely considered to be offensive and shameful. Now, can you imagine if those who inflict the crucifixion on others found it so distasteful, those uh, who have crucified uh, the crucifixion and, and inflicted on them, they would find it even more revolting. The Jewish view of the cross, we have to see their history. The Jews had been set apart by God. They were his chosen people. And they felt it was their right as God's chosen people to govern themselves. The existence of an outside ruler was interpreted by the Jew in this day and time to be a form of punishment from God for their failure to follow him. They had been taken time, time again in the past into captivity as a result of their unfaithfulness. I mean, you can read Jeremiah. That'll give you a really clear uh, deal. You're in Daniel in, in that time frame. And so uh, the Jewish people had been conditioned to believe an outside rule meant punishment. The Pharisees had begun to work on fixing the Jewish nation. They believed if they could get the Jewish people to follow the law correctly, God then would stop punishing them. And perhaps, when they had done this well enough, God would send his Messiah uh, to deliver them from their captivity. The Jews had been struggling for independence for many years uh, up to this time point. In 167 B.C., uh, after about 500 years of defeat, uh, the Syrians, uh, they, they controlled Judea, and they will try to de destroy the Jewish religion. They placed the statue of Zeus in the most holy place, and they tried to force the priest to sacrifice a pig in the temple. This result uh, was a. This would result in a massive revolt. It, it was carried out by a man named Judah Maccabee, and you can read about him, the Maccabees and stuff. It's in the Apocrypha. The, the Catholic Bible kind of carries that, and the reason it's not in most Protestant Bibles uh, is they don't believe it to be inspired uh, word of God, but it is accurate Jewish history. And so, I don't think it's wrong to read it. Uh, this Maccabean army was famous for their use of, of guerrilla-type warfare. And, and they had many, many victories. The, the Maccabean brothers were not just incredible fighters, but they were also brilliant leaders. And they succeeded in winning religious freedom from the Syrians. But later, they would win complete 
and com control um, political independence, excuse me, for about a hundred years. And so, during this time of independence, we see that the earliest Jewish encounters uh, with the cross. Uh, there's a man that, uh, by the name of Alexander, he would become a king of Judea in about uh, 103 B.C. And during his reign, he made himself high priest. Due to his war-hungry mood and the fact that he was responsible for the death of over 50,000 Jews, Alexander, he faced opposition from a group of leaders who, who held a popular support with the, Peter, uh, the people, excuse me, and we would know them today as the Pharisees. Alexander uh, turned for aid to another group of the Jewish uh, group uh, leaders, and we would call them the Sadducees. And so uh, the Pharisees turned to Syria, uh, and they tried to overthrow this uh, monarchy, that his kingship, believing a foreign rule, would give them political freedom, which was better than independence under such a man as Alexander. And when Alexander proved that the victor, he, he displayed his ruthlessness. He had 800 uh, of the Pharisees who had opposed him uh, crucified in a single day. He executes 800 people in one day. 20 years later, Judea they're, they're going to go under go a civil war. And they're going to be fighting for power. Pompey, a, a Roman general, he's going to move in and he's going to side uh, w with a group. And they're going to conquer uh, Jerusalem. And this is really the part uh, of the beginning of the Roman Empire in this area, around 63 B.C. And so... Uh, Caesar would install a, a procurator in Judea. He would always be there. And so, kind of the ruler of the area, he kind of overlooked the affairs of Rome, that type of thing. And, and so, when uh, Antipor dies, that's, that's the first uh, uh, person that Caesar will appoint, his son Herod will take over. And now we are getting in closer into the Bible time here. After the death of Herod the Great in 4 BC, many of the Jewish people revolted. They think that they could seize this opportunity uh, with the, the death of the Roman leadership to win and earn their independence. And a Roman general uh, under Augustus, he will come in with his army and he will recapture Jerusalem, and he will end up crucifying 2,000 of the Jewish rebels. This would not be the first or the last time now that the Jewish people had been forced to endure crucifixion. The cross to them was not just a source of shame, it was pain, death, or, or being inoffensive. It was a constant reminder to them as failure. To the Jewish people, the cross reminded them that they were not free, and if they tried to fight to earn their freedom, they could see their own end, 
and that would be hanging on a cross on the walls of Jerusalem somewhere. So again, that cross was a symbol of their failure. And it was also a reminder of their captivity. While the Romans found the cross to be utterly offensive, the Jewish people found it to be completely repulsive. For the Romans, the cross was the end. It, it meant they had won, and they had put down the uprising, and they could relax for a little while because certainly no one else was going to start up a riot having seen uh, the suffering of the last guys who rioted uh, hanging on a cross waiting to die for several days. The Jews, however, the cross was not only terrible, it also, again, it reminded them at defeat. The cross also invoked a sense of fear on the Jewish people. In their efforts to maintain order within the empire, the governors would crucify not just lawbreakers, but their sympathizers as well. And so it was not only criminals who were put to death, anyone who felt sorry for the criminal was also hung on a cross. There are a few things as offensive to the Jews as the implication of crucifixion. They had been persecuted, they'd been tortured, and killed uh, through this object that we call the cross. Yet even in the suffering they could not find joy. Because of the nature of the cross, there was no silver lining. No redeemable value. The frequency of crucifixion used by uh, the Roman Empire as a deterrent for the Jewish nation, it was an effective tool. And additionally to all the suffering and humiliation, the cross caused it to be worse and worse in the religious obstacle that it also creates. The Jews could not even turn the cross into a symbol of their suffering because to them, to be put to death on a cross was not just shameful, it was also in the mindset of failure, and it was also a sign that they were cursed. And then I had you open your Bibles earlier, and Deuteronomy chapter 21, starting in verse 22, here is God, he's talking. If a man has committed a crime, punishable by death, and if he's put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him in the, in the same day, for the hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you, an inheritance. Okay? So here's a New Testament application coming in here in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Galatians 3 verse 13 says and here's the Apostle Paul. He's writing, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is anyone who is hanged on a tree. To be crucified in, in Jewish mindset here was to be under a curse from God. 
This is not something that they would be celebrating. Okay, that this means that all those patriots who, who loved Israel so much as to fight for freedom and lost, they're not only shamed, they are also cursed. The very God that they that they were trying to serve and and, and usher in and throw out idolatry, that same very God curses them. No matter how clever the tactic uh, the cross was, was putting down any kind of rebellion. I, I know I said this a minute ago. Rome could have no idea of knowing the way just how detrimental this would be to the Jews. I'm sure they figured it out over time. But in the beginning, I don't think they really understood that. So do you see? There is nothing so scandalous to a Jew as death on a cross. You understand that the cross is so much more than we think it to be. The cross is not some beautiful image that's made of gold or silver and worn as jewelry. It is not just some glorious, splendid thing. It is vile and revolting in every way. The cross is a stumbling block. It is foolishness. Again, here's the Apostle Paul. Now he's talking to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 22. For the Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. To the Jews, the cross, again, is a stumbling block because of the law of Moses. If everyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse, the Jewish people could not accept the cross as a symbol of persecution, and they certainly could not accept a Messiah who was crucified. The cross is a stumbling block to them. They expected the Messiah to come and bringing in freedom, joy, independence, unity, and all the glory back to the Jewish people. They were going to be what we would call today a superpower. But they knew all too well that there was no joy in a cross. Any man who is crucified could not be the Messiah in a Jewish mindset. The cross offends every sense a Jewish man has. The Messiah could not endure that. It, 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 we would call it an oxymoron. Messiah means, for those who don't know, uh, God's anointed. And how can God's anointed be cursed by God? That doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. It's a paradox. The very fact Jesus was crucified means whatever, whatever revolution he might have brought has already failed. How then could a failed revolutionary think be a source of their deliverance? Do you see how difficult it would be for a Jew to accept Christ? 
Even if he wants to accept Christ, the cross would be a huge obstacle in doing so. You see how incomplete our view of the cross is today, especially as Gentiles with very little Jewish knowledge or background. Despite the fact that Romans who, who carry out the crucifixion, the gospel writers place the blame, really not on them, but on the Jewish leadership. Pilate, in fact, is shown by the gospel accounts to declare Jesus really as an innocent man. He just says, I don't find any guilt on this, in this man. And he would say so on three separate occasions. He even tries to uh, wash his hands of the blood of Jesus. The gospel writers place most of the guilt on the Jewish people for the death of Christ. Even with the horrible and terrible offensive they believed the cross to be, they still pressured Pilate to crucify Jesus. They would call out for his blood that day in the city of Jerusalem. What a strange thing it is that we decorate our church with symbols as a cross. What an odd twist that has been brought victory out of defeat that brings honor out of shame. You know, we live in an upside-down uh, kingdom where an instrument is designed to bring death gives life, spiritual life. Where is the shameful is made honorable. That which is painful brings joy. We're, we're boasting in something that's offensive. Again, here's the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Do you see how strange it is? The cross is this focal point of the Christian belief system. It's the central point of the Christian religion. How odd is it to focus on such a terrible thing? But yet we boast in the cross. We take pride in in it for the the cross the blood it shed there our sins are covered in the cross our our transgressions are wiped away by the very nature of the cross it is repulsive the fact is it has been turned into our primary symbol for our faith just goes to show how sovereign our God really is. God in all his glory, in all his splendor, in all his might, can take even the most foulest, vilest, cruelest inventions of mankind and make them beautiful. The cross itself is a picture of what God does with us. And we are vile we are wicked, we're dirty, we are corrupt, and we are disgusting. 
We are, we are offensive and we're full of shame. You know, you might say, oh, I'm not that bad. Well, that's, you made yourself your God and you're, you're judging yourself by the actions of others. But when you look at the Word of God, you will find out how dirty you really are. I mean, the, the Bible says over and over again how sinful we are. Go and read Genesis. Right after the flood, God says, I'm sorry, made man. I mean, he's wiped out all these people except Noah's family and his children. And here they are, and they start to repopulate the world again. And the scripture is very clear. Every thought is evil. We don't like to think of ourselves as, as evil, but we are. We, we are sinful people, and we really need that through the power of the cross we are made beautiful in God's sight. We are cleansed from our sin and our shame is taken away because of the cross. Can you see how powerful the love of God really is? Not only did God send His only Son to, to this earth to endure the shame of the cross, not only did he allow his son to die, he allowed his son to die so that we might be saved. So we might be able to enter into a covenant relationship with him. God sent Jesus, his son, into this world to be our Redeemer. While the Jews could not see the Redeemer, when he's standing right there in front of them, while their perspective of the cross hinders their acceptance of Christ, they understood one thing far better than we do. The cross is not a decoration. It is a shameful death meaning to the victims whose rebellion has failed. And we've all rebelled against God. That's what we call sin. You, you want to follow Christ and you really want to call yourself a Christian? Jesus will say this, to take up your cross daily and follow Him. The cross of Christ achieves its purpose in our lives when we are willing to die for Him. We join our desires to live for Him and not for us. The cross achieves its purpose in us when we put that old man, that old self, to death. And we are made into a new creation through the redemptive power of the cross. The cross achieves its purpose in us when we put ourselves to death. When we put ourselves under the authority of Christ and we live to serve Him. The cross achieves its purpose in us when we carry out what we are commissioned to do. And that is to go out and preach the gospel message to everyone who will listen. Sometimes that preaching is not just doing podcasts, standing behind a pulpit. It very well could be every day at work that you show up to work, you do your job, you're, you're not cussing, you're not... Uh, looking like the world and, and people were you know they will notice 
that you don't use profanity. They will notice if you're faithful to your to your God. They will notice that. Believe me. The cross also is a symbol of death and pain and suffering, as we've said several times. The cross is not something to be taken lightly. If you think Jesus came to this earth living behind the glory of heaven to die on a cross for nothing, we are all grossly mistaken. If you think all he cares about is saving you and me, we could be wrong. You know, again, the risen Savior, Lord, he has given us a commission. He did his part. He died for the sins of the world. And now it's our turn. It's our turn, it's our time to carry the message of the cross to the world. It is our time to share the name of Jesus with everyone that we meet. It is our time and our purpose now to proclaim the death of Christ to everyone until he either returns in every name and every ear has heard the name of Jesus. Jesus died on a cross so that all men might be saved. The fact is, they are not. Some will reject him no matter what. There are so many who are perishing simply because we, as Christians, have not done our job. We've all been commissioned by Christ to go and share the message of the cross with everyone. Everyone who will listen. If we are honest, some of us have never really told anyone who Jesus is. Now, you might be listening and, and, and you might think, well, that's really hard to share your faith. Do you really believe uh, this is, justifies us not doing it? Do you really think that when we stand before the King of Glory and He will ask, uh, why did you not tell people about me? And what are we going to say? Well, I'm not very good at that. that. That's really not my job. Do you really think this is going to be acceptable to the King of Glory, who endured such terrible pain and suffering for you and for me? Do you believe that he will be content with you saying, well, I didn't know what to say because I didn't know how? You know, really the only real command that we really have after Jesus' resurrection is to go out and tell the whole world about him. To make disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the one thing that the Lord commands us to do, and that's to make disciples of all nations. I understand, and Jesus does too. Not everybody's going to listen to you. Some people will laugh at you. Some people will mock you. Some people will reject it and say, well, that's okay. You have that uh, right to that religion. Uh, th that's not what I believe. I believe this. Well, you know what? Honestly, listeners, under the current laws on the land that we live in in the United States, that's their right. But it's also their right under the Bible. God gives everybody the, the freedom or the right to believe 
or not to believe. It is only the Holy Spirit that can convict and pierce people's hearts. It is only the Word of God that can do that. And we get the Word of God from the Holy Spirit through inspired writing. You and I don't save anybody. A lawbreaker cannot save a lawbreaker. Only thing a lawbreaker can do is say, Hey, this is how I got my pardon. Let me tell you how I got my pardon. How I received my forgiveness of sins. I certainly hope, I know we're getting ready, The many of the people in the world are ready to celebrate Thanksgiving in the United States and then worldwide getting ready to celebrate the birth of Christ. And without the birth of Christ, there is no atoning death. There has to be the virgin birth in the life and the ministry of Christ that leads up to what prophecy said would happen and did happen. You and I are really blessed, really, to be on this side of the cross, on this side of the resurrection, and be able to look back and know what God has done for mankind. I certainly hope and pray that you have found this podcast to, to be encouraging to you, have a little better understanding of the cross and its symbolism in the day of, of Christ and what it really means to, should mean to us today as well. I hope and pray that you'll follow us and, and like us and share us with your friends. Please pray for us that we could continue to bring you a weekly podcast as well. And make sure you check us out on our webpage. And, and there you can find links to our social media accounts and ways to contact us. If you have a, a Bible question, we will do our best to answer it. If we don't know, we'll tell you and we'll go, we know how to go find it. We'll go start searching the scriptures for it. Thank you again. And may God bless you. And may He have the glory. Amen.